Jorana, Nissan Bolivanaka, and welcome to the first episode of Champions of the Pacific, a new weekly sports show from RNZ Pacific. I'm Tale Anderson. Malo Lele, I'm Koro Vakauta. We'll be your hosts each week as we engage in Talanoa with Pacifica athletes and their families and celebrate the very best of sport from around the region. First up, we are talking about the pronunciation of Pacific Island names. Pacifica are dominating the sports world, but commentators can't get our names right. What else can we do? In Australia, we've seen the Say My Name video campaign featuring Pacific Island NRL players putting people straight, with Super Rugby following suit a few years ago. But still, there is a long way to go. The standard is very good now, but we were ignorant of it. And that's why I say there was an evolution uh, for broadcasters because we were mostly white guys commentating white names and suddenly these other names came in and they must, they, they're there on the page of the program we're working off so they must be uh, European names too. So if it, if it looks like um, Roca Coco, that's how we'll say it. Well, that's not good enough. Veteran commentator Keith Quinn there describing how the attitude to Pacific names changed during his broadcasting career. We're joined now by Sky commentator Fawono Ken Laban and in the studio Silver Ferns mid-quarter Whitney Sunis and former Ikalitahi rugby captain Inoki Afiaki. Fawono, why is this still a problem in 2021? Well, I suppose if, um, you know, if we just look at national games like rugby union and uh, netball and if we go back one generation, they were sports in large part that were um, that were dominated by um, by Palangi players with the odd uh, the odd Māori and occasional uh, Pacific Island player coming through. But then you know you come right through to 2020 last year's All Black team. Um, as an example, I think it was 28 of the 37 players that wore the All Black jersey in 2020 were Māori and Pacific. Um, island boys and the same obviously in rugby league and um, in netball um, we, we've seen that for quite some time so you know the you know our main sports is a reflection of how our society has changed. Inoke was this talked about in your playing days I mean how did the players feel when their name was mispronounced? Oh I was 20 years ago so when I first started playing my name was mispronounced but guys like Keith Quinn would, would, would nail it and we'll try hard to pronounce my first name, Inoke, properly, but it was always pronounced as Inoki in New Zealand. It's just something we... Yeah, at times, uh, uh, we'll actually get more offence when it's misspelt on, on, in a newspaper article, uh, and it'll be within the same article, it'll be misspelt two or three times. So that was just irritating as well. I think, like anything in life, you get people get better at it when they're corrected, and we just needed to, you know, throw, throw our five cents worth at commentators that really mispronounced it. And, and guys like Keith Quinn will come and talk to you after the game and say, how did I go? And you say, well, you know, you can pronounce the, the care better. But I, on top of that as well, I think it's just uh, the names are foreign to New, most New Zealanders, the, the, you know, the, the rolling vowels in, in the Pacific language. But over time, they're getting better. And it's nice that we're aware of it now. We've seen quite a lot of backlash and uproar uh, when it comes to how our Pacific Island names are being mispronounced, especially when it comes to rugby and rugby league um, on social media. Whitney, is this also an issue in netball? Yeah, um, I think nowadays in netball, um, we're getting a lot more Pacific Island girls coming up in the sport. And, you know, there's been quite a few of us um, in this generation as well. And from what I've heard, I think, hearing it on TV, it, all the names have always been mispronounced. And I think just our generation, we kind of like Inoki said, is we just 
we needed to correct them. We need to correct them and just tell them because then if they don't know, they're never going to um, know and change. So, yeah, I think it, there's a lot more awareness around it now, which is good. But, um, yeah, I think just correcting it now so that these generations coming up can don't have to go through that as well. And as a Pacific Islander, you carry your name with pride and, you know, that's a name your parents gave you. So... Um, when it's not said correctly, your parents might take it a bit harder because that's what the you know that's your name and yeah. So I think definitely yeah. Keith Quinn also talks about uh, when the penny dropped for him. The turning point for me was my daughter coming out from Victoria University where she was taking a uh, Pacific Studies. She said to me, "The boys in the class say that you don't say the Polynesian names correctly, the Samoan names in particular correctly." And I said to her, uh, well, who are, you, who are you talking about? And she said, well, uh, this guy, you, you call him Leo Lafayali, playing in Auckland. And uh, I, I said, yeah. And she said, you say um, Tupo Farmacino. I said, well, you, what is it then? I've been doing this for 20 years. And she said, it's Tupo Farmacino. And it's Leo Lafayali. Oh, so I thought, that's what the boys at Victoria Pacific class are saying via my daughter, Rowan, who's now working for Radio New Zealand. i better have a look at this. Ken, what's been your experience as a Pacifica commentator? You know, it is very frustrating. And, of course, for, um, for those of us on their panel... Um, we have to exist in both the Palangi world and the Pacifica world. So um, a lot of my colleagues that I work with, they only live in the Palangi world because that's where they come from. You know, they don't get that upfront, in-your-face immediate reaction. For, for me, you know, away from um, away from my professional life, on 24/7 in the communities where I was brought up, um, and the people that are the people that are close to me understand the importance um, of saying those names and. You know, I take somebody like I spent some time last year commentating at the um, Coral Coast Sevens with um, Lotte Tungere, who was a fantastic rugby union and rugby league player who achieved great success, um, Queensland State of Origin representative um, as well. And um, his whole career, he was he was Lotte Takiri, uh, which wasn't his name. And even when he finished, they were still mispronouncing um, his name. Uh, I find it offensive from a Pacifica point of view and from a professional broadcaster's point of view, I find it completely unprofessional and unacceptable that commentators won't take the trouble to learn to pronounce the names correctly. Is it common for people to approach you for advice? I mean, it is their job. Yes, exactly. Well, some Palangi commentators will just copy other Palangi commentators and think, well, that's the way he says it, so that must be correct. My own view is that we need to have more Pacifica commentators. But mm. Whitney, is that something maybe would you feel comfortable correcting someone if you heard either your name or a teammate's name being pronounced incorrectly? Yeah, I think now it is. Um, if you asked me a few years ago when I was kind of just starting out in netball, um, probably not. But I think now there's been a bit more awareness and I know that the commentators are more wary of pronouncing names. Like sometimes it's they make a mistake, but that is their job. So, yeah, I think we've got quite, you know, understanding commentators and they're quite, um, you can approach them as well. So um, they're pretty easygoing when it comes to us um, approaching them about those certain things and they want to get it right too. That was Silver Fern Whitney Soonis concluding this Talanoa with commentator Fawono Ken Laban and Tongan rugby great Inoke Afiaki on the pronunciation of Pacific Island names. Now, have you ever wanted to know what Tokelauans do for the holidays? I mean... 
I eat and sleep, but that's just me, so let's try swimming and fishing? I think fishing's a safe bet, Koro, but the big excitement of summer is klikiti, or Pacific cricket. Cricket is the national sport in Tokelau, and every January, its people come together for a month-long tournament before returning to work. Oh, a whole month? Man, that sounds tiring. Yeah, for you maybe, <laughs> but uh, I spoke to Elena Parcelio, who takes us inside the colour, feasting and culture of Tokelau's beloved sport. I think it's just a way for all of us to come together as a community and celebrate Christmas and New Year's together. So that's like the whole village and half the island is the other team and my half of the island is my team, Ngilani. So we just all meet up at the cricket pitch and just have a game. And then we have paintings as punishments and, you know, it's just all for good laughs. It's just all in good spirits, I think, is the point of the games. And does this happen every year or how long has it been happening for? So it's been happening for as long as I can remember. My first game was in 2009. That's when I turned 15. And so everyone 15 and over plays. And it's been happening since I was, since before I was born. So I was talking with my dad, trying to find out some more cricket history. And um, he was saying that this game was brought in the late 1800s or the mid 1800s by the missionaries that came and then it's just stuck ever, ever since. I know yourself as well, you just got back not so long ago, so did that make the crickets this year or the kalikiti this year feel that, you know, just extra special for you guys? Yeah, it really did because um, we weren't expecting to come back this Christmas. Throughout the year in New Zealand, we never heard anything about a repatriation flight until November we had to be in Auckland four days um they only gave us four days notice before we had to be in Auckland and then we were flying out on the Friday and this is what we were looking forward to especially um my husband who's a big cricket lover um island cricket lover and he was just buzzing like oh my gosh we're gonna make it for the crickets and what else is involved because I know you had said something about the painting um is there singing and dancing and all that kind of entertainment going on what else is there beside obviously hitting the the ball in the bat yeah so the crickets um the preparations for the crickets happened like a few days prior to the game on sunday night because we'll always have crickets on monday or tuesday but we will have traditional dances on the sunday night before the cricket and then after the dancings people go to the traditional kitchen like a umu and they start chopping up meat and stuff for the next day for the cookings for the women so that it's easier for them and then in the morning, we, we tried to go to church. I think less than half the island went to church last time. But um, yeah, we try to go to church together. And then we meet up at our own meeting spots. And then we go get blessed by our priest here who says a prayer for us because cricket is life here. And he says a prayer for us before we go to the cricket pitch. And then we have a game. I've seen the American flags, the England flag flying around. What's that all about? So our teams are Amalika and Ngelani and I've had a few people telling me that it's it was named after the it was named after America and England, obviously um, after the Second World War and the names have stuck ever since, they've never changed and so we're just um, England and America pride hard and we have the flags and we play for shields and stuff, it's pretty hardcore. Is the sport or the off-field stuff more important for you guys? 
I think it's just the spirit of the game, just us getting together. I think that's the the most important thing to us is coming together as a community, you know, um, all ages. I think it's the one place where all of us, everyone like from 15 upwards can just come and have fun together. Wow, man, that does sound like fun, although I'm not going to lie, it's the umu that would be the big attraction for me. Um, but I guess food aside, what an experience it would be to be in Tokelau for such a vibrant festival of, of culture and sport. One day it would be cool to see that, AT, what do you reckon? Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. The photos are incredible. Um, the one thing I took away from that interview was Elena's husband just couldn't wait to get home for the cricket, so it just goes to show how much they love their kalikiti. Next, we catch up with one of the Pacific's talented sporting families. We're with Wellington Samoa Rugby Union President Ken Akoi and his son Moana Pacifica Lok Natoa Akoi in Wellington. Natoa's about to begin his second year of Super Rugby with the Chiefs, but Ken reckons he'd still have the edge in a foot race. They keep telling Natoa I'm still faster than him. Uh, oh, we can race. It's camera. We can <laughs> race today. <laughs> Natoa, what did it mean to represent Moana Pacifica last year? It was. But when I got named in the team, I didn't actually know too much about it and I thought it was just a team to fill, fill the gap because of COVID. But um, once we got there, the first day was great. We had a um, other ceremony um, and everyone just got stuck into their roots and they um, enlightened us on not only our cultures but the Tongan and Fijian cultures. So it was really good. Great week. And while Naitoa Akoi's career continues to excel on the field, off the field, Ken Akoi stays involved with the Wellington Samoa Rugby Union, the Marison Pats Club and also as an occasional commentator. Because I can still offer something to to the community that I can lead, and, uh, well, if, if I can offer support by providing the platform to get funding to have rep teams for Samoan teams, you know, that's uh, that is providing opportunity for Samoan players. What about the rest of the Akoi family? Uh, you're obviously related to the famous Fred Akoi, the former New Zealand Kiwis rugby league captain. Uh, how does he fit into the mix? <laughs> yeah, um, Fred is my dad's first cousin. So uh, Fred's dad, uh, uh, Fred Senior, is my uh, grandfather's younger brother. So, uh, yeah, it's funny because every time I come through the airport in Auckland coming down here, they all, I said, oh, my name is Ken Akoi. And then the next minute down, they say, oh, Fred, can you come here? So they always call me Fred. I said, oh, no, <laughs> I'm not Fred, I'm Ken. And even down here, they do the same. So Fred, uh, uh, he used to captain the, one of the captains for the Kiwis in the 80s and very proud of him and, uh, and had my other uncles that played for Manu Samoa as well, two of them, so uh, a very proud family. And from one generation to the next, family is central to the Akois, with Naitoa becoming a father to twins during lockdown last year. Throughout the Chiefs season it was really good having a family because um, not winning a game is real tough on your mental side, but if, you, if you're able to come home and um, have a support system like I did at home and have kids there to just ground you, um, it just completely changes your perspective on an 80-minute performance. So, yeah, my partner helped a lot, and she just made sure when I get home, don't worry about the game, just come change some nappies. That was father and son Ken and Naitoa Akoi speaking to our producer, Vinnie Wiley. Love it, and if you love it and want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab. Also, we broadcast into the region on RNZ Pacific and RNZ National, or download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. But uh, join us next week when we go coconut husking in the Cook Islands and hear the amazing story of Mosia Masoi.
and meet a pair of Tongan brothers changing lives on the basketball court. Until then, look at you. Mo me ah.